And this is Deion Dawkins, man. And you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast, Season 9, Episode 22. I'm John DiCarlo, and it's just Declan Landis and I today. No Rymere, no Kyle. Johnny, from what we understand, is, is sick, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little under rough the weather. Night. Yeah. Well, it's a rough night, just a stomach bug thing. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I didn't no want to make it sound like he was out on a like a the party circuit or anything. No, absolutely like not. It's it was kid. a school night. So. Responsible, responsible yeah. human yeah. being. Absolutely. A lot of good stuff coming your way this week. We have part of my interview with former Temple linebacker Jordan McGee. It will play for you. Alscoop.com subscribers can get access to the whole thing on the website. We'll recap Temple's loss to Rice. Not one of their finer moments. And, not at uh, all. Uh, very much a rebuilding team, and we saw that on Saturday. And they're going to try to bounce back Wednesday against USF, a USF team that's playing some pretty good basketball. The women bounce back after losing to Memphis. Big win over Charlotte. They'll hit the road to take on SMU. We'll talk about football, this football program, this Temple football program, some recruiting updates, some good mailbag questions to get to as well. The Scoop, as always, is brought to you by Greenspan and Greenspan Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured while on the road or the highway and the crash was someone else's fault, the insurance company is not going to be on your side. You need us, Temple Law Grads, who will fight hard to get the compensation that you deserve. We only get paid if we win, so in Pennsylvania or New York, call us today at 215-261-7359. That's 215-261-7359. And you can find them on the web at greenspans-law.com. It's greenspans-law.com. Declan, you're on the mend. You're feeling better. Feeling a lot better, yeah. Yeah. Thank goodness, you know. It was, it was touch and go for a little while. It was touch and go the first few days, you know. It's for some reason, COVID just, like, hits like a freight train for two to three days. That it does. And then after that, you're, you know, on the mend at least. But I started to feel a lot better on day four. And it was fine after that. Did you so. feel better or worse than Frank Sinatra when he had his cold? I mean, you know, I wouldn't be able to perform like Frank Sinatra regardless. So, <laughs> you know, it's got to be a different baseline. But uh, I would imagine we were in the same boat. Yeah. What were your, what were your symptoms? Were you in a, in a pool hall somewhere with people just watching your every move? <laughs> I couldn't get uh, I couldn't stop singing Luck Be a Lady, you know, <laughs> just in my dorm room by myself. <laughs> With Rymir and Johnny carrying around notebooks trying yes. to get a story about you? I started wearing three-piece suits with fedoras as well, matching, of I course. I love that. Yes. I might, you know, might have to bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> Famous uh, number 22 is that one. Um, one that immediately comes to mind is Matisse Thibel. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I came up with that one last night. Um, I'm sure you did. I did, no, legitimately. Okay. I know I we have some too. controversy, but... The controversy, <laughs> and that we all check in on the same <laughs> the same website. When allegedly, it com- when allegedly. it comes to when it comes to trivia time, on famous number twenty twos. Allegedly, I know if Rymir was here recording with us today, he would say Deuce Daly. Yes, um, he's now an NFL assistant coach. Emmett Smith. Emmett Smith. Um, I'm kind of tapped out after that. Should I? Should I? Should we do some trivia here? Some quick trivia before we play the. Uh, oh, well, one that I that I should have mentioned. Everybody's favorite Pittsburgh Pirate. Well, that's too broad. The, the, the Pirates, we just talked about Roberto Clemente last week. He's back 
played for the Pirates. Oh, with a couple other teams. McCutcheon? Played, yes, Andrew McCutcheon. I love McCutcheon. Yes. He's awesome. Incredible, incredible personality. This one you'll never get. And I am now I am just looking online. I'm trying to play <laughs> trivia with you. This is a guy from like my play along generation. At home. Uh one of the best dunkers of all time. Three time NBA All Star, played for the Phoenix Suns. I don't think you're gonna get this one. Larry, Larry Nance. Nance. Oh, you are you serious? Yeah. Wow. Because <laughs> he um Are you looking No, you I'm looking not. At? I'm looking at our audio. Okay. The only reason I all know right. that is because his when his son was in the dunk contest, Larry yep. Nance Jr. There you go. Larry right. Nance was there as well. Okay. Oh, another uh, former Eagles cornerback. A former Eagles Eagles player. Deuce wasn't a cornerback. Cornerback. His son's in the league now. Um. He had some fun orchestrating the Jeff McLean Les Bowen fight in the locker room. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Because I remember this story. You guys were just asking us last week in our house group group chat, saying, "Wait, wait, did this actually happen?" Oh, I meant more the picture, the screen cap of the video. Oh yeah, Asante Samuel. That was I was. It, it crossed my mind because he was on the Dream Team cover, mm -hmm. right? The SI. Yeah. Which rest in peace, Sports Illustrated. Yeah. Oh yeah. How about that was that? devastating. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, former NFL running back. Played uh, for the Bears, and he played at Tulane. Tulane. Uh, the only Bears running back that's coming to mind is Walter Payton. Well, that's not him. Yeah, that's all I know. Matt Forte. Oh, that's a good one. I forgot the, about Matt scrolling Forte. Scrolling down the list here, I'm just trying to think of, of, of people that you... Matt Forte was really know. good for like a few years, yes, too. Yes, he was. Is Elgin Baylor 22? Uh, Yes. Man, yes. I feel good about that one. Yes. Um, Former Orioles pitcher, Javon would know this one, who did underwear ads. Underwear ads? This was, again, this guy, this guy his prime was... was oh. Like, but he, he was only good for like a little bit for the Orioles and then left? Did he go no, to the Rockies? No, not, not good for just a little bit. Three-time World Series champion. Oh, I have no idea. Jim Palmer. I was thinking a lot more recently than that. Roger Clemens when he played with the when he played with the Astros. There you go. Clayton Kershaw, Clayton Kershaw's twenty two. There we go. Oh duh. I should have known that one. It was underachieving Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah, they stink. What's their deal? I don't know if they stink. No, they're very good. Loaded roster. Again. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what they do with it. Yeah, I mean they got killed by the Ash or the uh Diamondbacks. Yeah. Claire Smith. Sorry, Claire, I love you. I'm picking on your Dodgers right now. <laughs> As we said at the outset of the show, I had the chance to talk to Jordan McGee. Uh, of course, missed the last what, game and a half of Temple season with the torn biceps injury. He's recovering from that. You'll hear him in our conversation here talk about how he got an NFL Combine invite. He's training down in Fort Myers, Florida right now. Vandy Rigby's down there as well. So a terrific player for Temple, again, Sad to see his injury cut, uh, cut the rest of his career short, but we had a chance to catch up again. The first part of this conversation that you're going to hear is a lot about what's next for Jordan, his draft prep, what's ahead for him, what kind of feedback he is getting. So far, obviously so much can change between now and the NFL draft, but he's hoping to get drafted. Had one more season of eligibility ahead of him, but elected to uh, just forego his final season and declare for the draft. The whole interview, again, alscoop.com subscribers can get access to the whole thing. And then the rest of the interview that you won't hear here, he talked about the Temple program, who he's looking forward to seeing next year, why he still believes in Stan Drayton, a lot of good stuff. But we'll play this 
first part of my conversation with Jordan McGee, and then we'll have more for you on the other side. And again, if you haven't subscribed yet to Al Scoop Declan. What are you doing? Exactly. Yeah. So we'll play this this first part of the, the Jordan McGee interview, and we'll have more for you later. Jordan, I'm sure, like we were just talking about, it's a hell of a lot warmer where you are <laughs> in Fort Myers, Florida right now, where you're training and getting ready for your NFL career. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Can't complain. Thank you for having me. No problem. First things first, how are you feeling? I mean, you had the, the bicep surgery back on November 21st. How how are you feeling? How are you recovering so far? I honestly feel good. You know, I'm ahead of schedule right now. You know, I got full range of motion back. I'm back in my arm. It's just about strengthening it back up right now. You know, that's really the main thing. Uh, so I've been talking to the PT guys down here. They think I'll be ready to go by pro day. Uh, I should maybe combine if it depends how I'm feeling. I've been talking to my agent and stuff, but it depends how I'm feeling, honestly. But latest pro day, I'll be ready by pro day. It's awesome that you got the combine invite. I guess you'll decide, or I don't know when you have to decide. If you can't bench, do you think you'll run the 40 at the combine, or is it still kind of up in the air? Yeah, it's still kind of up in the air. Like I want to maximize my time here training and mm -hmm. make sure I get the the best possible uh time before I actually run it. You know what I'm saying? So whether, whether that's at the combine or at pro day, it, it, it just, it just depends, you know, I have, I have a month to decide if I'm going to start doing stuff at the combine. So we'll, we'll yeah. see. Most definitely, most definitely going to do interviews and stuff over there though. When you got hurt in the UAB game, did you kind of know something was wrong right away? How did it happen? <laughs> so I actually knew like, as soon as it happened, I knew something was wrong, but I think the quarterback had threw like a check down to the receiver, like an under route. Um, I, I was trying to break up on the ball, uh, ran up when, a when I was getting close to receiver, I tried to punch at the ball, but he ended up turning his back kind of. And like, when I went to punch the ball, like mm -hmm. I hit his back and like, I just hit the, like I missed the tackle, like, cause I couldn't grab him. So like after the play, I got up and like, like I was talking to uh, McMurray, Jalen McMurray about uh, the tackle. And I didn't, I didn't feel my arm for a second. It just felt like a little loose. I looked down. And I seen like my bicep rolled up to the shoulder. Oh, yeah, but oh, I, I didn't even notice it at first, but it did it didn't even hurt. It didn't, that's the thing, it didn't even hurt. So they were about to snap the ball again and I couldn't get to the sideline, to oh. our sideline, because we was yeah. on their sideline. So I couldn't get there fast enough and ended up having to stay in another play with the bicep rolled up like that. Uh, ended up making a tackle and then as soon as I got as soon as I made the tackle, I just ran off to the sideline. And they was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Uh, I'm like, yeah, I tore my bicep. I already knew it was torn. Oh, yeah. I remember you kind of holding, holding that side and, you know, mm -hmm. like we don't know much. We're thinking maybe it's a shoulder thing. So, yeah. it, so that's what happens when you tear your bicep. It rolls up instead of dropping down. Yeah. So it, you can either tear your bicep from the shoulder or you can tear from the elbow. I tore mine from the elbow and it rolled mm -hmm. up to the shoulder. But if you tear from the, tear from the uh, shoulder, it'll roll down to the elbow. And it, you said it wasn't painful or it was? No, no, it wasn't painful. No. Wow. At that point, and I mean, you were obviously, anybody who knows you, you're really, really unselfish teammate, really unselfish player, but you know you're good enough to play in the NFL. And I know that you hadn't decided at that point, but whether it's coming back to Temple for spring ball or thinking ahead to the NFL, are you starting to think you're only a human being? You're starting to think, oh no, like this is going to set me back for a while. Yeah, most definitely. That, that's the, I feel like when whoever gets like, whoever gets injured, that's the first thing that runs through their mind. Like, dang, like, dang what's going to happen next? Like, I had this plan, this plan. But, you know, you got to you gotta leave your faith in the God. And, you know, uh, he has a plan for you, you know. It's not to harm you or to 
just to help you, you know what I'm saying? Um, but definitely hard for like the first week and then I got over it. It was just like, dang, like I'm gonna miss senior bowl. I can't go compete at senior bowl. I can't do this, I can't do yeah. that. But but it is what it is, you know, and I'm coming back stronger now. How long did it take to make that decision? You had the injury, you, you missed the Memphis game. Yeah. And I would imagine things start to settle in because I know you didn't decide right away. Uh, what Not was it yet. like trying to make the what was it like trying to make the decision to whether to stay and or declare for the draft? It was hard, you know. I had long talks with my with certain agents, with um my family, coaches, you know. It came down to like me being like it's not a like a bad it's it's a bad injury but it's not a bad injury if you know what I mean like it's yeah. not an ACL or right. anything like that it's a torn bicep people in the NFL get those all the time and you know it's not really setting me back it set me back but it's not really setting me back like how ACL would or something like mm-hmm. then I would really have to return to college I, I was just talking to family members and coaches and stuff they a lot of coaches said I should come back uh, some said I should go declare a lot of coaches said do what's best for you. Um, so I ended up declaring, and I feel like that was the best decision I could make because yeah. you never know what can happen next year. You know, absolutely, I could get in, I could get injured again, and I'll be in yep. the same position. So I might as well go try my shot now. And so Jason Bernstein from Clarity is your agent, right? Yes, sir. And he's Jason right. Kelsey's agent, so you've got yep. really good representation there. What does that mean to you? It means everything. You know, uh, going through that whole process, that whole agent process. You know, I just wanted to find somebody who was who I could call family at the end of the day, who's going to have the best best thing and interest for me uh, as a player and as a person. And I felt like Jason and his and his agency represented that very well there at Clarity Sports. Um, you know, Jason's a great guy. You know, all the clients he has has had and has now, you know, are, are great guys, top guys in the NFL. Uh, like you said, Jason Kelsey, you know, bad day for Eagles fans, but it just just that just that um <laughs> you're a raven that. you're a ravens fan right oh yeah so you yeah, got really happy oh yeah i'm, I'm definitely happy yeah. my guys a- happy. afc champions I, i'd be happy to see them win the super bowl i'd be happy to see the bills win the super bowl i know you wouldn't be happy to see the bills win the super bowl but no, no, because you no, well you'd be happy for a couple of temple guys right if they want it oh yeah yeah tyler and dion most definitely yeah what kind of feedback are you getting so far jordan like i know i know a lot of that'll change like if you if mm-hmm. you run a certain 40 time at, at pro yeah. day, that could jump you up a couple of rounds and you, you're going to have people poking and prodding and all that stuff. But like right now, as of like mid January, what, what kind of feedback are you getting? What are people telling you in terms of where you um, can have and stuff like that? So everybody's really saying like average four or five rounds in that, in that range, average four or five. If I run a good time pro day and stuff like that, depends how, if I test how I'm supposed to test run four, 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 five, they could see me jumping up into that maybe top 100 round, top 100, maybe like that first, that first like third round through like fifth round area. That's where a lot of scouts have been telling me, uh, my agent has been telling me, Jason has been telling me. About. What's a typical day like for you down there in terms of just working out and prepping? Okay, so Monday, uh, wake up. Most of the times are the same. So Monday, wake up around like seven, go to the facility, eat breakfast for hours. So breakfast from seven to eight. And then we have our workout, whatever day it is, like Mondays are our acceleration days. So we do a lot of like four, like 40 starts working on the drive phase, like the first 10, 15 yards of the 40. We do that uh, for about 45 minutes. Then after that, we lift for about hour, 
uh, like an hour, hour and a half. That's like new, uh, usually like our explosive lift on Monday. Then after that, Mondays we have massages. So massages from 10 to 4. So you can get a massage anywhere in between that time. And, you know, they have a lot of great recovery things there that you could do. Like they have sauna, cold tub, you know, the, the little uh, massage guns, the normal tech boots, um, all that stuff. And then usually I have rehab either at like 12 or like 2 around that time. So that consists with the rehab guys. So I do all the speed work, all the left, upper body left form stuff. I use dumbbells. I can't bench. So I just use dumbbells and stuff like that, rows and all that type of stuff. And then when I go with the rehab team, I use my right arm and we work like a lot of shoulder conditioning, a lot of like scar tissue work, working on uh, the range of motions, uh, different type of range of motions, just getting ready to get back to that football mode. What's this like for you? Like, I imagine this is like the first time maybe ever where you could just kind of like prepare for your career, spoil yourself. You're a really good student. You got your degree. So you don't have to worry about going back and getting your degree. You got your degree. You put a ton of great plays on tape. And now it's just like, it's kind of like Jordan McGee time, like getting massaged, like going, like yeah. all that, you're almost kind of like pampering yourself. Is that kind of nice to just focus on that and nothing else? Yeah, yeah most definitely. It, it definitely takes a lot away when you don't have to worry about school, you know, that like classes, you know, you worry about classes and all that trying to keep your grades up but once you could just focus on football I feel like that's like what what does it like it sets you apart from uh, other people like that that have to worry about school in, in this uh aspect of things are you training with any other guys down there like other guys from other colleges oh yeah so it's, it's a lot of guys from everywhere so uh the linebackers there it's uh Indiana Indiana linebacker um, Tennessee linebacker Vondi's there too good I was just gonna ask um, about him yeah yeah Yvonne's there um How's his ankle feeling? Is he kind of healed up by now? Oh yeah, no, nah, he's he feel good. He, he's running good times. He, uh, you know, he's doing he's doing his thing. I know it stinks on one hand to not be able to play in the games, but the East West Shrine Bowl, the Combine. What are you looking forward to, and just in, in terms of like being in those environments? Just like since I can't play, you know, I want to I want to see see who I would have been competing against. You know, just being in that atmosphere, being around those guys, getting to talk with those guys, and most importantly talking to all the scouts, you know, that that's the main thing. Just since I can't play, I'll have to do great in the interview, the interview process of things. So just, just really honing in and focusing on that would be my main, my main goal out of, out of all that. I might've asked this before when you were on the podcast last time, but you know, you, you come to college and everybody has that dream of playing in the NFL and now it's here for you. Was there a certain point in time at Temple where, whether it was something you did in practice or a game, where you kind of like started to sit, say to yourself, like, I've got a chance? You know, uh, freshman year, like I, I used to watch Sean and uh, Sam and all those guys, Chappelle. I used to watch them and just like try to mimic things they did because I knew that they were going to go to the NFL. I knew that they had a legitimate shot at going to the NFL. So like the next year, 2020 is like, when I really started to like focus and hone in on on my skills, and in 2021, that was like kind of like my breakout year, kind of not mm-hmm. not really, but like just getting started. And in 2022, that's when I'm like, all right, I can really do this. You know, that whole that whole 2022 year, I'm like, yeah, I can really do this. Like, like let me put my foot on the gas and really like push it. A big thank you to Jordan for for joining me 
uh, making some time to talk. He's just one of my favorite people to cover. Awesome guy. Was a stand-up a, guy. Yeah, great student during his time here as well. Graduated, got an advertising degree. So wish him the best of luck. I suppose the next time we'll see him will probably be in March at Pro Day. Yeah. Might be able to you know run the 40 at that point. Uh, but a lot of good stuff ahead for him, hopefully. Let's talk about this Temple men's basketball team. Decent crowd at the Leacorce Center this past Saturday, but the basketball was not yeah they fell behind by 16 came back had a six-point lead in the second half and could not keep it they lost 69 to 66 to rice uh i I wrote my game story over the weekend you know you could sometimes argue on some nights that the temple just doesn't have enough in in the arsenal enough talent to win a game as they're rebuilding this was not one of those occasions. They started slow. Second straight game where they really started slow defensively out of the gate and had some chances to win down the stretch. Heisier Miller did go two of seven from the foul line. Now he had his best offensive game of the season by far, his his best shooting performance of the season. I thought Adam Fisher was right in defending him, you know, and saying, yes, he has to hit foul shots, but they're not in the position to win the game. Or even close to it, him. really. Yeah, and one of those, we should say, one of those misses was intentional when he was trying to – he missed the second Mm -hmm. foul shot there late down the stretch intentionally. Uh, But otherwise, a really, really good – really, really good game from him. His best best game of the season, Uh, 24 points. That was five off a season high, 9 of 12 shooting from the floor. That was the first time he shot at least 50% or better from the field all season. He also had seven assists, just one turnover in 32 minutes. And like I wrote over the weekend, it would have been a nice storyline, but they just started slow. I thought, you know, that there's a game that they needed to win. It was Rice's first conference win, their first win in the American Athletic Conference. Now Temple's going to try to bounce back again against a, a USF team that's playing some some pretty good basketball, some really good basketball. They knocked off Memphis, as I said, at the start of the show. So they come to the Leah Chorus Center. Temple's already lost to them once. This piece of audio that we're going to play for you here, I know it's been a, a popular point of contention and talking point with the fans, and a lot of fans were asking, well, how do you draw up a play down the stretch like that? Why did Steve Settle take that three? And you'll hear Adam Fisher say, hey, I'm, he's basically defending him and saying, hey, he had an open look, I trust him. But they did draw up a play to get to the rim try to get fouled or score there. But you'll hear Adam Fisher talk about that here. So I feel like fans kind of just blew past that. And again, we get it. This is not a very good basketball team right now. We've said it a million times over. They need more talent. They're rebuilding. But you got to start winning some of these games. So, again, not expecting anybody to be happy about a 69-66 loss to, to Rice. But here's Adam Fisher talking about that last play, just so people can like hear it and absorb it. Again, I'm not expecting it to make your day or... Right. Just make the rest of your midweek just a yeah a fantastic time to be alive. But this is Adam Fisher talking about what they wanted to do there. You know, we had talked to our guys about it. If it's open, take it. What we were trying to do is get downhill. Obviously, they're in the bonus and, and get to the foul line. I thought we were doing a decent job of that. But uh, I trust my guys at the end of the game. They make the right decisions. And they, I'll have to watch tape, but it looked like a good look for him. All right, so again, Temple's going to try to bounce back. Again, I guess if you're listening to this on Wednesday or, or late Tuesday night, depending on when Declan does his magic and, and crafts up the I'm gonna, stew. I'm going to be working scoop. hard. I'm going to be working hard. <laughs> uh, 
USF's 11 and 5, 4 and 1 in the American. Again, their only conference loss is the UAB, and then, of course, they upset Memphis, who was 10th at the time. So, it should be a good game at the Leah Course Center. We talk about this, this up and down Temple women's team. So, we talked last week about how they kind of blew an opportunity to beat a Memphis team that they should have beaten. Same thing. Diane Richardson's not happy about the defense. Then they come out and beat one of the best teams in the conference. They beat Charlotte. They're going to play at SMU Wednesday night about an hour after the men's team tips off. What would you see? I mean, it really started with the defense. You know, they, they zeroed in on Charlotte's best players and just shut them down completely. I think what's really working for this team is full-court pressure mm-hmm. and displaying – how fast they like to go up and down the court. They still struggle a little bit in the half-court offense, you mm-hmm. know, and, and sort of milking the shot clock, finding a good shot, that type thing. They're good at finding their teammates, and they're good at unselfish basketball. I think they had, like, it's something like 17 assists on 23 shots or, or something close to that, um, or 23 field goals, excuse me. But they were finding passes left and right in the fast break that just sort of disoriented the Charlotte um, the Charlotte defense and you know in the fourth quarter when a team shoots 20 more free throws that's an insane stat oh my god they gosh. shot 44 foul shots right and like yes. 20 where where's Diane's where's Diane's quote here I'm looking at Johnny's game story yeah while you're doing that I will go off on a little bit of a tangent because you're going to get one to two games a year where the refereeing is just abysmal 44 foul shots 44 foul shots. Yeah. It was abysmal, John. It was mm-hmm. just so bad. There were calls that you could tell in the if you go and on our website and watch the the post-game video, you could just tell how perplexed Coach Richardson was. 21 um, free throws in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And their 10 of their last 13 points were at the free throw line. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them were like ticky-tack foul calls, like not even you know, this is me being a journalist. This is not being, you know, obviously I, I enjoy Coach Richardson. We've had her on the podcast. But, like, just sitting there and watching some of these foul calls, it was like this is – you're not going to get this every game is what I'm saying. Fairness is our foundation, Declan. Absolutely. Yes. You know, I, I learned that in my uh, <laughs> sports reporting class taught by the man across the table from me. But, uh, no, like, it, it just – you know, you're going to get a game or two every season where mm-hmm. it's foul calls like that. And the fact they were able to overcome that was huge, I think, as well. Keeping their composure down the stretch is big. But that was just, I mean, no no other way to explain it. That was a huge win for them. And now, do they keep this momentum? I, I'm not expecting them to go undefeated the rest of the year. Yeah. Again, like I said, Diane's like a season and a half into reshaping this program into to what she wants it to be. They had a 15-point lead, almost blew it. But a couple other bright spots there. Uh, Tristan Taylor, you're one of your top freshmen. She gets a layup with 18 seconds left, and they get a stop after that. So a big moment for her. Again, they go on the road now, not expecting them to just win out the rest of the year. But is there something that they take from that game and say, okay, now this is – we've seen again what we're capable of. We've got to cut out some of the bad habits, these slow starts and all that stuff. Have they turned a corner, or do you you need to see it for a couple more games to believe it? I I think it's that. I think the biggest thing with this team has been consistency and being able to sustain momentum. SMU and Tulane are beatable teams. Mm -hmm. SMU is probably toward the middle of the conference, middle sort of on the cusp of the top, but not 
they're not going to really compete in March more likely than not. Tulane has had struggles this year. Um, they haven't really found their footing in conference play. These are two very beatable teams on the road, but so was Memphis mm-hmm. at home. Yep. So this road trip is going to say a lot in terms of are they going to be able to consistently play to the level of what they did against Charlotte, or are they going to play to their opponent the rest mm-hmm. of the season? Um, and I think the biggest thing for them is in the first half, can they get out to a lead that they should be able to manage the rest of the way out like they did against Charlotte? They had a huge um, first and second quarter that really kind of set the tone the rest of the game so that in the fourth quarter when Charlotte was getting all these free throws and you can't defend a free throw, obviously, um, they still had enough of a cushion on the scoreboard that it wasn't a big deal. So I think uh, if they can get out to a big first and second quarter against these two teams on the road, they'll be fine. But consistency has to be the name of the game the rest of the way out. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Temple football, some recruiting news to pass along. Uh, Davre Venu, the offensive lineman from Montreal, who just picked up an offer and an in-home visit from Chris Wiesenham, is coming in for an official visit this weekend. Clifton McDowell, now we said last week we weren't, quite sure based on the sources we had talked to we we were kind of getting mixed reads as to what was going to happen there now he's a quarterback from montana he's going to be playing for his fourth fourth program not including his juco stop he committed to temple this week so he had 2026 yards 13 touchdowns four interceptions completed 58 percent of his passes this past season also rushed for 753 yards and nine touchdowns so he's going to come in 47th in the country by the way sorry didn't mean to cut you off Six stat, Declan. Thank you. In the FCS, at least. Um, He's going to come in and compete with Evan Simon. Temple hosted Leland Smith, a Juco wideout, and a TCU bounce back on an official visit last week. He's a really, really good player. That would be a big plus for Temple if they can get him. We'll see what happens with his recruitment there. I I honestly can't remember if we talked about Chris Dietrich last week recommitting. Um, I you, don't know if we hinted at it, but but if you missed that, now he was the first player right from the 2024 class to commit to Temple, and uh, a little while ago announced that he was decommitting, reclassifying to 2025. I think he picked up like a Bucknell offer. Mm-hmm. I thought he was going to go play a post grad season. That's what he planned to do, but now he's decided that he's going to recommit unless something changes again. Should sign with Temple. Next month, Tyree Alu Alu had a pick six in the Polynesian Bowl on January 19th. That game was on the NFL Network. So uh, a cool thing for him in a recent Temple verbal commit, one of several linebackers yeah. that they have uh, recruited and gotten commitments from. He looked really good in that game too. Yeah. Uh, Jordan McGee and I talked in the interview, that the part of the interview that the Scoop subscribers will hear, you didn't hear it on the podcast here, but just all of the – the linebackers they've recruited with Everett Withers switching to a 4-3. So, again, some of the cool stuff that you'll hear Jordan talk about in the other part of the interview that you didn't hear. So, again, if you have not yet subscribed to Al Scoop, good time to do it to listen to the great conversation that I had with Jordan McGee. Let's get into the mailbag here to close things out. First question from the – these are all from the message boards this week from the screen name TJ Clark. Only time will tell, but on paper – is the football team better or worse than last year? Which of the new transfers or JUCO players do you think has a chance to really make an impact? I think in fairness, you have to say on paper right now they're worse just because of yeah. what they lost. Could Do they have the chance to be better? Yes, but they lost DJ Warner, Jordan McGee declaring for the draft, Vandy Rigby 
declaring for the draft. David Martin Robinson moving on. They're, they're, they're Taiwan Francis as well. Taiwan Francis, Darvon Hubbard running back. So on paper, they're worse right now. Agree yeah. or disagree? No question. No question. Which of the new JUCO transfers or, or transfers of JUCO players do you think has a chance to make the biggest impact or make make an impact? I mean, I'm most excited to see this kind of quarterback battle because mm-hmm. you've got Evan Simon and Clifton McDowell now coming into that room. You have Tyler Douglas, who they were at least high on when he came into the program. Mm-hmm. Uh, Forrest Brock, who we got to see a little bit. But Clifton McDowell and Evan Simon in the limited film that I've been able to watch of them are so different mm-hmm. in how they play. Obviously, you know, McDowell brings more of that dual threat type athleticism where, you know, he can he's very good at throwing the short pass. His his long ball is like good, but you know, his accuracy is kind of off on the uh, deep throws, but he brings a level, you know, a threat to the to the run game that, you know, Temple really hasn't had. Obviously did not have an EJ Warner. But then you have Evan Simon, who's more of a you know pocket passer, can throw the ball. It's it's going to be interesting to see which direction they go because you know that really obviously in in modern football your quarterback is your identity, right? Mm-hmm. Like it it starts with the quarterback. So I think obviously in terms of impact, that's probably where my eye goes. But there's a lot of holes on defense that people are going to need to fill, and I think. Uh, you know, particularly at the linebacker spot, there could be some some interesting battles to see who who comes out on top in that room. Yeah, I I'll keep going back to Mausa Paulu at guard, six four, three thirty. Again, who are they not high on right now? Every coach loves everybody yeah. in their class, but or they wouldn't couple, be here. Yeah, from a couple other people I've talked to, it sounds like he has a chance to come in and really make an impact because they really we know how much the, the offensive line struggle at mostly every position even though Victor Stoffel congratulations to him he's moving on to play at Cal he had a share of of iffy snaps if they could just solidify or get close to solidifying things up the middle that would make such a huge difference for whoever is is playing quarterback so that's a that's a, a name that I would I would say that that would float out to you Along with Evan Simon, I, I I am really really intrigued to see what Evan Simon can do yeah. with Danny Langsdorf. I think he has a chance to, you know, prove some people wrong and say, hey, I, I again, he had a chance to win the starting quarterback job at, at Rutgers, lost out to Gavin Wimsat. I'm not saying he was it was so political there that he didn't get a chance to compete. He did. He came in and started a game at, at Temple last year at yeah. the Link. So he's got a lot to prove. But I'm intrigued to see what he's going to be able to do. The next real quick as well, yeah, right. uh, Adrian Lang, who's played really well in yeah. high school. Jalen McMurray's gone. Dom Hill's gone. Ben yeah. Osweke hasn't really shown anything that he can be that starting corner. They need a number one corner. Mm-hmm. He could be a guy that steps up. He's played really, really well number for them. Number one corner. They need a number two corner. <laughs> they need. They need a lot of people. They need. They I need mean, some, just full across the board. They need yeah, a lot of people. They need, but, some, need some safeties too. So well, yeah, I could see him yeah. though making a, an impact. More, more uh, on the quarterback position. The next. Mailbag question here comes from A.R. Sklar. I don't know that how, if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but we appreciate the question. A.R. Sklar, 58. Yeah, that's right. A couple right. questions. Thoughts on McDowell versus Simon, where the O-line stands today, and if you think we have more projected starters on both sides of the ball, especially defense, with moving to a 4-3, is Dewan Black now defensive end? So, yeah, the thoughts on, 
uh, McDowell and Simon, McDowell versus Simon, yeah, it'll be a true quarterback battle. And I'm sure, you know, Stan Drayton and Danny Langsdorf will say that Tyler Douglas has a chance to compete. That everyone else in that room has a chance to compete. But yeah, I think you would say that those two guys are your most intriguing options right now. I don't know that they'll take another quarterback now at this point. Uh, where the offensive line stands, yeah, they've got some pieces to fill. As much as Rich Rodriguez was hurt often throughout his career, you've got to figure out what happens there at center. Is Wisdom Corsi your center? Well, yeah, because their backup is gone too now. Bryce yeah. Toman left. Bryce Toman's gone, so... We'll see who emerges at center there. I just think that the a lot of these answers are going to become clear in spring ball and, of course, in preseason camp. We know now that what Chris, Chris Wiesehan, excuse me, has done throughout his career as an offensive line coach is cross-train these guys. They teach everybody how to snap. That doesn't mean that everyone's great at snapping the ball. But, yeah, they've got some they've got some some holes to fill there. I'm intrigued to see what Kevin Terry can do, mm-hmm. what some of the younger offensive linemen who got snaps – can do Luke Watson. So a, a lot of a lot of this will be able to better answer in in spring ball. Yes, I would think that Dewan Black would move to um a defensive end. Yeah. Now that they're going to four three again. They'll play a lot of other stuff. They'll play a lot of nickel, all sorts of stuff. But yeah, I would think Dewan Black is now a defensive end. Anything else you wanted to chime in with here? Not really, other than Dewan Black in the system last year was one of the better people getting to the quarterback. Yeah. So this feels like it just plays into his strengths even more than what they were using for using him for previously. So yeah, I think it makes all the sense in the world to have him coming off the edge. Yeah. A couple questions here to close us out from Temple Fan Al, one of our longtime subscribers and mailbag contributors. First question, guys, why does it seem like John Rothstein enjoys picking on Temple? He doesn't seem to do that with any other program. For all I know, he could do it with other programs. I, I don't think I follow him on Twitter. If I do, I have him muted. It's insufferable. I'm well, sorry. I, I think I said to somebody on our message boards, I have never met John Rothstein. For all I know, he could be the nicest guy in the world, but his act on social media is completely insufferable. I know how he operates behind the scenes. I know what he does to hound and hound and hound and hound and hound assistant coaches in a way that is just bothersome. Yeah, annoying. Um, he's got his shtick. He's he's trying to be the guy that breaks every bit every bit of news in college basketball. Another thing that I think is is unfortunate about him is he'll and he's certainly not the only person to do this in this industry, but a kid will announce that he's committing somewhere. And sometimes that tweet is up for like an hour. And then it'll say, according to a source, so-and-so. So like, come on, bro, keep up, <laughs> keep up. The kid broke the news. You don't have to break everything. Right. Why does he enjoy picking on Temple? He has ill thought out talking points. I think it's worth noting that he works for CBS. CBS has a deal with the A-10 for the five millionth time. And look, you're entitled to your opinion on this. I get, we know, attendance has been low. Adam Fisher is rebuilding this team. Whether he gets Temple basketball back to where people want it to be, we'll see. Mm -hmm. I'm not anointing him as the answer. I think people need to recognize time, place, and context as they rebuild. They need more talent. Yes, it's on them that they lost on Saturday. Everything's going to be on them. But tell me how going back into the Atlantic 10 is going to be an answer for them. They're going to lose millions of dollars. The American was not going to let them be a football-only member, going back to when they were invited to be in the Big East, 
Temple could not, it would have been clinically, clinically, clinically insane for them to say, nope, we're going to stay here in the A-10. Right. You get to play. Now, you may not play every big five team if they continue to stick with this format. But for the most part, you're going to play at least LaSalle or St. Joe's. Look, this year, they played they played LaSalle and St. Joe's in the same season. Yeah. You're not missing out on playing them. Tell me what other A-10 rivalries are suddenly going to just rejuvenate this basketball team. Right. And then some of your games are, are not even going to be on TV. It's just it's such a clear argument. Again, I get it. I get that people are entitled to this, but it's such a tired, tired talking point. We've already probably spent. I appreciate the question, Temple fan, Al, but it's just so exhausting. Kyle's tweet was very funny. Yes, I A little I dark, that. but very funny. I what enjoyed, you say? Um, Let me go idle my car in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very Kyle tweet. Yeah. Um, I believe it was, was it Will Cummings as well? I've been meaning to, yeah, Will, if you listen to the scoop, what a, what a tweet. I've been Thank meaning you. to say this since college. Sometimes you have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Had and a couple replies to that. I think I said today we spell hero W I L L. Yeah, so it was a yeah. good tweet. I enjoyed that. Um I just I I didn't really know Rothstein until last year and then like with the the epitome of brutality every time somebody would lose a bye game. Yeah. And it was just like, okay, like that's kind of corny. But then like you scroll his Twitter feed and half of him is just him trying to sh- uh sell shirts. Mm-hmm. So it's like he, you know, he's clearly doing this for attention. Yeah, he knows that Temple fans are passionate. They're gonna be, they're gonna respond yep. to him. They're gonna give him engagement. He's got that blue check mark, so you know he's making money off of these tweets. Mm-hmm. I just like, I couldn't care less about his opinions on anything, pretty much in general. So he's just, he's like a nuisance to me. Like that's to me, that's not reporting. That's you know, that's you trying to to do whatever you can to get your name in somebody else's mouth, and that's just annoying yeah and again I, i've never met the guy i know you guys tease me for saying this i maybe sometime at some point down the line i meet him and i could say hey he was actually like a really yeah nice guy to talked to but just his whole shtick again he does his work air quotes like he'll he talks to people i'm not saying he doesn't talk to people but i just know how he he has a very transactional way of trying yeah. to build sources, and I just know that from a lot of the sources he's talked to. I'm not a fan of how he does things sometimes. And yeah. again, he's entitled to his opinion, but like this whole thing is just yeah. Uh, this whole like maybe Temple should go back to the A10 is just utterly, utterly, utterly exhausting. And it's not even my opinion is not a reflection on him either as a person. It's this new sort of like idea of journalism as engagement farming that Mm -hmm. you know bothers me sometimes and i think his what he does in these aspects is a reflection of that and that's what bothers me more than anything like actual reporting i love that Mm -hmm. go get a story go do the hard work go get you know form these relationships and maybe i'm biased because i'm paying you know tens of thousands of dollars to come here and learn to do that but it's like you know we're learning because it's so important to this business and if you're just gonna you know, put random thoughts out there to get people mad so that they interact with you. I get that's the game, but it just makes me sad. Yeah, like I said in our message board, he he paves the way for a lot of people to think that they can act just as insufferably as he does, and it just yeah. sets a really bad example. Certainly not the only position, the only person, or in even the close to it, even who's, close who's to doing it. that. Yeah. Second question to close things out here from Temple Fan Al. If the Al Scoop crew were the Justice League, who would be who? For example, who's who's <laughs> Superman? Who's Batman? Who's Aquaman? Uh, Kyle Kyle probably is is a little upset that he's missing out on this on this question. 
Kyle, by the way, is Batman. Why is he Batman and not Superman? Because he, first of all, he when we do our, our scoops, a little inside baseball for you, most of the time we're in your office. Mm-hmm. We're all in person. Kyle joins us on Zoom, and Kyle joins us from his four monitors in his sort which of looks office like area, yeah, looks which like is cave. like all this technology. You know, he mm-hmm. knows that stuff. He's got all the gadgets. He's got the fun graphics that he puts up sometimes as yeah. well. Yeah. He's witty. You know, he can think on his feet really quickly. Mm-hmm. I think Kyle is Batman. You there know, we go. he, he kind of moves in the shadows. Yeah, you know? I like that. Who do you want to be? Um, who do I want to be? I think I'm Aquaman, but not the Jason Momoa Aquaman, like the goofy sort of Aquaman, <laughs> like the, the guy that kind of everybody makes fun of, but he does his job, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think that fits for me. I think that makes a lot of sense. Who's Rhymeer? Um, That's a tough one, because now you're, you're kind of getting out of my realm of knowledge. Mm-hmm. But if I had to guess, I think Rhymeer is Green Lantern, okay? <laughs> and I'll tell you why. I think, uh, you know, Rhymeer is very good at a, a whole host of things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Green Lantern, and correct me if I'm wrong, this could be completely, entirely wrong. I'm not, the, I'm not a Justice League expert. I mean, I, I am... Tweet me. Go ahead. At me on Twitter <laughs> if I'm wrong about this. Doesn't Green Lantern, doesn't he have a ring and he can make anything out of the ring and it's like sort of light? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Rhymeer is very good at, at making something out of nothing a lot mm-hmm. of the times. And yeah. he he knows what he does. You know, he's very good at what he does. He's got, you know, all the tools needed to mm-hmm. get the job done. I think uh, I think he's Green Lantern. Who's Johnny? Man, this is a tough one. Who's Johnny? Also a great Elder Barge song from the 80s, by I, the way could not tell you so are you penciling yourself in as superman by asking not, me all this I, i'm not i mean <laughs> i do agree though i think that makes the most sense because there's not like a say nice things about me declan no i'm just kidding <laughs> you have why vision. am i superman is it because of <laughs> my ahead. long-standing tenure as al scoops editor <laughs> is it because i regularly break news i still have the screenshot of the uh espn notification that said adam fisher is hired per owl scoop that always makes me laugh not laugh, but like you know, proud. Well, thank you. Proud Appreciate in the that. proud in the yeah. Um, if Kyle were sitting here right now, again, Kyle was alive. I make him sound like he's dead. If he right. was sitting here with us right he's now, he's sitting in the back cave. He would be right sitting now. here saying, "What? What makes you think you're automatically Superman?" Don't. Well, that's and true I too. didn't, and Kyle. If you're listening, because some weeks when he's on the pod, some weeks he listens, some weeks he doesn't. Yeah, I feel like he's been more engaged recently. Hopefully, yeah. I hope I he know. like chimes if, in on Twitter as well. If you, if you, hey, if you want to, if you want to put me up there, Superman, I'll be flattered. <laughs> if I'm, if I'm, if I'm Adam, <laughs> if I'm Hawkman, uh, if I'm some of these other, and I'm really scrolling like, down here from Red a, Tornado. I'm, I'm trying to think of a reason why Johnny is Wonder Woman, and I'm trying to put <laughs> it together in my head because that's just the only other member of the Justice League I can think of. Um, well, who are some? Who are some other? There's, uh, Are you looking at a list right now? Green Arrow. I don't know Green Phantom Arrow. Phantom Stranger. Definitely don't know that name. Red Tornado, Hawk Girl. By the way, for Firestorm. those of you at home, I do not watch very many movies, so you know this is why. But as I've said to you, you're very good at taking recommendations. I am. I'm trying to be. I got a letterboxed yesterday, which I don't know if you know what that is, but it's like a 
a movie review type app for us common folk. Hmm. And uh, it's really cool. It's a really cool app, but. You're good with that, and Ray Dunn's good with that. Yeah. Ray's good if you say, hey, you should watch this. He will, like, within a week be like, hey, I watched this. Here are my thoughts on it. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, you know, it's elite company, by the Ray way. Ray Dunn of 97.5 Fanatic. He's on the air right now as we record this with Andrew Salchunas, another Temple grad. Yes. Hey, 97.5. Klein College powering. John Kincaid as powering, well. Powering, yeah, powering the media stars of, of today and tomorrow. Yes, I miss John. i got to say hello to him tomorrow. But um, Johnny, Johnny is Wonder Woman. Okay. <laughs> and um, strictly because, you know, Johnny is a is a big proponent of the truth. You know, Johnny loves to call people out when they need to be called out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Wonder Woman's got the lasso of truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I'm going with that. That's where I like it ends. That. Yes. I like that. Yeah. Good stuff. Johnny is also like you wouldn't you wouldn't guess it. But Johnny, you know, Johnny's a warrior. Johnny could fight, man. Yeah, he's a battler. Wonder Woman, very tough. We'll have we'll have Johnny and Kyle and Rymira respond to this next week and say, yeah. Are "You guys proud of of where you were cast?" I this can't imagine they wouldn't. Yeah. I feel like I was very complimentary. Yeah, I thought that was pretty nice. Thank you. I thought that was pretty nice. Appreciate the question, Temple yeah. fan. Al, I've, I'm most proud of the Kyle Batman comparison, though. I think that makes the most yeah. sense. Yeah, with the monitors and stuff. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Good stuff. Well. We've come to the close of another episode of The Scoop in the books. Should say, again, if you're not familiar, we're on all the major podcast platforms. Absolutely. Throw us a rating, a review. We're also on YouTube. If you feel so inclined, we're on YouTube as well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, and we're going to do our best to stick to a Tuesday recording schedule and a Tuesday night or Wednesday release to give the pod a little bit more more shelf life, get into a little bit of a a rhythm of sorts. So It'll probably either be... Because in in terms of me thinking about life, you know, it'll probably be Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. Yeah. Probably Wednesday morning. Thinking about life. Yeah. Because all its pursuits. Yes. All, you know, and all its whatnots. (laughs) All its whatnots. I'm blanked. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's the earliest we've ever recorded a scoop and I just, you know. That's all right. You did well today. Thank you. You You did did as well. Thank you. We killed it. Thank you. So thanks for joining us for another episode. We'll talk to you guys next week.